The night that Kenny Pickett was drafted, Mike Tomlin was asked to describe his favorite traits about this young man as a quarterback. And the first word that came out of his mouth actually was the only word for a little while. It was accuracy. Good morning to you. Good Wednesday morning. I'm Dayan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Steelers. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into hockey and or baseball. I also offer daily shots of Penguins and Pirates that I hope you'll also check out. If there's one dimension that any of the various quarterbacks who will be in the fold this summer can bring to this offense that can make the biggest difference by a mile, it'll be the deep ball. And within the deep ball comes accuracy. Way too often when we watch quarterbacks, whether it's just in general play, training camp settings, or even the combines, we're very likely to judge them based on pure raw arm strength. And I know that's fun. I know it's exciting on those exactly um, one occasion in which that sort of thing can really help you, and that's the Hail Mary. I mean, there's also threading the needle. There's a sideline route that you want to hit before somebody can close on your guy and that kind of stuff, so I'm exaggerating. But it's really way more about accuracy. And that, to me, might be the biggest part of what makes Pickett intriguing, even if he were to start right away. At Pitt, like so much of his career with the Panthers, he gradually improved in this capacity to the point where he was the best in his class. He was the most accurate quarterback in his draft class. And there are a couple of numbers that I want to share with you specifically that I believe point to this eventually becoming a significant strength, not only for him, but also for the Steelers. The first, we all know Pickett put the ball where it needed to go. But did you also know that in his senior season, 14.1% of his attempts, meaning just the number that he tried, of passes that were 20 or more yards in the air, was 14.1. That's a pretty high percentage. Not outrageously high, but high enough to let you know that he felt confident. Now, this is where I'm going to throw in the obligatory uh, disclaimer that he had Jordan Addison, a Bolitnikoff-level wide receiver, to throw to, so that helps. But still, wasn't afraid to do it. Now, of those passes, again, of 20 or more yards in the air, Football Outsiders deemed Pickett to be on target 56.7% of the time. That's very, very good for any quarterback and number one in this draft class. If you think about all the potential pluses that come with even one of every, I don't know, six, seven, eight, nine, ten plays, going 20 or more yards downfield, you'll take 56.7%. The number that were completed, the ratio that was completed, was exactly 50%. And that's a number you'll take all day long. 
This portion of Daily Shot of Steelers is brought to you by Point Park University. Choose from nearly 100 career-focused programs leading to bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees. Choose when and how you'd prefer to do that studying, whether it's at Point Park's gorgeous downtown Pittsburgh campus, whether it's online, maybe a flexible hybrid format would work best for you. Find out more about all of this at pointpark.edu. Now, this is where you might be asking, well, how does that compare to what was seen from Ben Roethlisberger in 2021? And the answer is exactly what you'd think it would be. He hardly ever did it. I would track this after every game the Steelers would play, and he'd only attempt two or three passes outside the 20-yard comfort zone. And, of course, what happens then is the defense brings its safeties way up into your face, plays right up against the line of scrimmage, takes away everything else you'd want to do, and you don't get anything spread out. Anybody who's been following this show for any length of time will know that my number one complaint about the Steelers' offense was that they didn't attack the middle of the field and thus underutilized Pat Fryermuth and other guys, including wide receivers who are more effective in catching passes in the slot than elsewhere on the field. And my other complaint was, he didn't throw deep. And you can say, well, Ben lost his arm strength or lost his uh, will to hang on to the football long enough in order to make those plays happen. And both of those things would be accurate. Ben absolutely lost some arm strength. Ben absolutely wanted to get rid of the ball and did so faster than any quarterback in the league three years in a row. I mean, it was snap and flick, which also, by the way, is the primary reason he didn't get killed behind that awful offensive line. Pickett has both of these factors as strengths. Again, qualifying, playing on a college team and playing with a great college wide receiver. He threw deep. He threw across the middle. Actually really seemed to relish throwing across the middle. And of course, he was able to move a little bit back there, including to his left. This too was an area, by the way, where Pickett wasn't all that great early on at Pitt. Scrambling in general, throwing on the run in general, but especially throwing on the run to his left, and he got really good at the latter. So put all of that together. Imagine getting more of these wide receivers more involved in different capacities since they'd be operating with more space. Know what I mean by that? If you're sending out George Pickens or Chase Claypool or even Deontay Johnson on a deep route, and Deontay's run his share and succeeded in his share, there's more grass for everyone else, you know, including Fryermuth. Then you can start hitting those underneath passes that, oh, man, I mean, they've been gone from this offense for so long that it's hard to even envision what the Steelers would look like doing these things that I'm describing. Do you know what I'm saying? Now, if you're wondering why I'm talking all this stuff about Pickett not mentioning Mitch Trubisky or Mason Rudolph, it's because, and I'll keep repeating this, my belief is that this is going to be Pickett's job to lose in a certain context with a certain asterisk. Meaning the Steelers think so highly of Pickett and what he can bring 
to this offense. And they think so highly of what he can do within the Matt Canada system, knowing Canada from their time together at Pitt, that if Pickett reaches that level of their expectations entering the season, what the other two guys do won't really matter. To borrow a baseball term, the tie goes to the runner. And we will see fairly early, I would imagine, in camp settings where the throws and the catches are pretty much the only ooh and ah factor out there on the fields. Whether or not Pickett's going to use this strength to become this team's starter. When we come back, just one question. This portion of Daily Shot of Steelers is brought to you by our friends at Mike's Beer Bar. They're located directly across Federal Street from PNC Park. They are the one, the only, the premier destination in Pittsburgh for craft beer. More than 500 craft beers available, more than 350 of those local, and more than 80 of those on tap. Mike's can't be topped, not for beer, not for the awesome kitchen and menu that's available, not for all the special events that are going on there. Check them out online at mikesbeerbar.com. Mike's Beer Bar, right across Federal Street from PNC Park. And today's J1Q comes from Eric, who asks, is this going to be the first year that Mike Tomlin goes under 500? You know, for someone who's been covering this team for the entirety of Tomlin's tenure, I don't recall ever hearing this topic referenced as often as it's been the past few months. And, And I suspect a lot of that not talking to you, Eric, here, just in general, is because Tomlin's failed to win a playoff game in forever now, and also because Tomlin's regular seasons have seen the team kind of uh, rise up into a finishing just above 500 status. And then the presumption from there is that either Tomlin or the Steelers care about this as some sort of vital streak. I can tell you, honestly, I have never heard anyone associated with a football team, even peripherally, bring this thing up. Yeah, it shows up in the media notes that are distributed to reporters like me, and but it's not like anybody beams about it as some point of pride. So and let me get that part out of the way first, Eric. The second is, you know, I, I'm I'm okay with being skeptical about this team because of the big uncertainties that are on offense and because of the one big uncertainty on defense, and that's whether or not Stefan Tuitt will be back. But here's what I'm not okay with. I'm not okay with setting some kind of bar for this team that says it's okay to have a losing season because if you have a losing season in the NFL, you're not going to make the playoffs. The goal is to make the playoffs, and from there, the goal is to win the Super Bowl. The goal hasn't changed, according to the words of Tomlin and Art Rooney. So why should any of us, myself included, lower that bar in spite of that? I'm going to 
I'm going to keep pounding this nail into the wall, but they've got the defensive player of the year. You know, they have the best player on the planet on that side of the football. They also have Minka Fitzpatrick and Cam Hayward on that side of the football. They've added a couple of reinforcements over there. They've poured not only big money, but also a big, big draft investment cumulatively on the offensive side of the ball. Between Kenny Pickett and Najee Harris as first-rounders, between Pat Fryermuth and George Pickens as second-rounders, and they put a ton of cold cash into that offensive line. So this isn't baseball or hockey where it takes years to rebuild. All you do in the NFL is reload. Because of the high cap, because of the instant impact that draft picks have, if you do it right, you can reverse a situation almost immediately. And I will remind here that the situation that they're looking to reverse wasn't all that bad, meaning the 2021 team did, in fact, make the playoffs and did, in fact, have a winning record. I'm not praising them. I'm just pointing out that it's not like they went 2-15 and 15 and need to make it from the cellar to the ceiling. They just need to meet their own reasonable expectations for their own decisions regarding their own team building and regarding their own instruction. Don't ever let instruction off the hook here either. If we all thought, just as an example, that Claypool was going to be the next Megatron or Mapletron or whatever, then why would we let the Steelers off the hook for his apparently stunted development? Are we okay with saying that this team's going to have a losing record because, in part, Claypool didn't wind up being what we all thought he was going to be? I'm not. I'm not. The talent is there for a winning season. The talent is there for a playoff team. Is it a lot higher than that? No, I'm not sure they would think that it is either. So I think it's fair and I think it's right to attach the expectation of a winning season and a playoff berth to this particular team. I really do. And no, it doesn't have anything to do with the Tomlin streak or anything like that. I appreciate the question, Eric. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Steelers. We'll do another one tomorrow. 